You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 901 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday and a less than stellar night for the Atlanta Hawks for us to recap on today's podcast with a 113-108 to loss at home to the New York Knicks. Obviously lots of reaction in a negative way after this game and understandably so. Um, before I get to the game itself though, I do want to plug yesterday's podcast. I had Andrew Kelly, good friend of the program for Peachtree Hoops. On the show, that is still a very relevant conversation. It's definitely more positive than tonight will be, but uh, Andrew is very smart. We talked about a lot of different stuff, and that should, hold, that should hold, hold up quite well. So please go back and subscribe to the podcast as well as listen to that show and others that are still on the feed. With that said, not a whole lot of pregame news to get into on this podcast. Kevin Herter was on the injury report as questionable, ended up playing in this game. Rajon Rondo was doubtful coming into the game, then questionable, and then Actually, he was available to play, but clearly was never going to. He has warm-ups on, was not necessarily in layup line, all that stuff. And Rondo is a complicated situation that I can say for another day for the most part, but I will just say this. Rajon Rondo is old. Uh, Lloyd Pierce has talked about his age a number of times. Also, he had a very, very short offseason. So while I understand that the Hawks could certainly use him right now, he was on the injury report, so there's some concern there. And... I said this even before the game started, but available does not necessarily mean he's going to play for Rondo this season, especially when there is no penalty for the Hawks making him available to play because Atlanta has so many injuries right now that the active-inactive distinction doesn't mean anything at all. So Rondo was in uniform, but it was very obvious the entire game he was not going to play. And uh, yeah, we'll see how long he's out. Uh, we, we could see, he could obviously play on Wednesday. But uh, I don't think he would have saved the Hawks in this game. I know there's a uh, point in time in which Atlanta kind of went into the tank that maybe he could have saved them to some degree. But I think that that's kind of overblown at this moment, at this moment in time. And uh, I said this before, but the Hawks have talked about Rondo from a leadership perspective quite a bit. Um, less on the court discussion so far. So he'll be getting ramped up. Obviously, he played well early on when he first debuted with the Hawks. But I was not surprised to see him active and not play. That might happen again later on in the season. So... There you go on that, and no other injuries to discuss other than Gallinari, Dunn, a Snell, etc. still out. And by the way, that's relevant in my view, as we'll talk about later on, because the Hawks are not as deep as they were supposed to be. And then actually, during the game, Bogdanovich suffered an injury that Lloyd Pierce talked about in his postgame, and that sort of explained why he, why he never came back in the game in the fourth quarter. So lots of injuries piling up for Atlanta, not ideal for a team that invested so much in its depth this year. And, you know, on the bright side, they still have enough players to run a rotation, which they would not have had last year. But on the uh, more negative side, Gallinari in particular is a huge loss right now, as well as the Kongwu, etc. So that'll be coming up later on in the podcast. But there you go as the backdrop for today. And the Hawks were favored in this game, as you might expect, at home against the Knicks. We will see how they, you know, respond to this. But obviously a pretty bad loss. I'll say that at the top of the podcast, we will discuss the ins and outs. But... Up 15 in the second half for the second straight game. The Hawks lose this one. And unlike Saturday, in which it was very obvious the Hawks had no legs in the second half as a back-to-back, there was a schedule loss aspect of that game. This time around, that is not an excuse. And the Hawks cannot lose this kind of game. I think Saturday, it was definitely more explainable. It was probably frustrating, obviously. A lot of people were upset about it. But it was much more explainable than this one, where, yes, the Knicks... 
are better this year, and they played pretty competitively under Tom Thibodeau in this game. They played hard. They played physically. So credit to them. At the same time, the Hawks should have won this game. They were winning this game comfortably at one point in time. So it's a bad loss. Full stop. I'm not going to make excuses. It's a bad loss for the Hawks, and I'm not someone who's scared to say that. It's been kind of funny to see um, some of the reaction talking about how I am two rose-colored glasses with this Hawks team. Long-time listeners know that's kind of hilarious because I'm known to not be that kind of guy. And I'm just kind of the person that stays in the middle. Don't get too high, don't get too low. And this time around, I will tell you it's a bad loss, and we'll start there. So, uh, we'll, go through, we'll go through the blow-by-blow as we, all, as we often do on this podcast. You know, sort of quarter-by-quarter, etc. And then the uh, crunch time we'll spend even more time on than the individual breakdowns later on in the podcast. But... At the outset, it was actually a strong start for the Knicks, um, which makes it kind of even weirder because there's this kind of a tale of two games. The Knicks dominating early on for the most part and then late, and the Hawks were the much better team in the middle. But coming out of the gate, um, the Hawks played okay in the first few minutes. They uh, had their normal rotations, etc. But then the Hawks, sorry, the Knicks went on a seven, uh, an 11-4 run to go up a 17-11 to score. And the Knicks led by 10 points, actually, at 24-14 to in the first quarter at one point, the Hawks opened pretty slowly, 5-15 from the floor, and they were allowing the Knicks to score about 1.3 points per possession. Some of that was some contested runners from the Knicks in this game. And defensively, I don't think it was too bad for the most part in this spot. There was one bad stretch in transition defense, which actually prompted Lloyd Pierce to call a timeout in the first quarter. Um, but after that timeout, they stabilized things quickly. They went, they went to a smaller lineup with... Um, Solomon Hill and John Collins, that worked out very well. Trey Young had a nice run where he had five straight points, including a nice uh, ATO play designed for him. It was a 13-2 run by the Hawks to take the lead back that featured seven points and an assist for Trey Young in that run. And defensively, the physicality sort of ramped up a little bit for, the, for Atlanta in that run, and that stabilized from that point forward. Um, they brought in Brandon Goodwin again. As I said before, it was no Rondo in this game. Goodwin was back at point guard. He actually got a, a nice loose ball recovery to find John Collins for a streaking dunk late in the first quarter. The Hawks, though, did not shoot well before, uh, at least the, in the first 12 minutes. They were 11-27 from the floor, although they only had three turnovers, which is kind of helpful. But the Knicks outshot them in the first quarter, and New York led by a two-point margin at the end of 12 minutes. The second quarter was more favorable to Atlanta. It was probably their best quarter overall of this game. They opened up with um, a weird lineup in some respects of Goodwin, Herter, Reddish, Hill, and Collins to start the second quarter. I thought Reddish was kind of bad early on in this uh, stretch. He actually opened it over four with, with a couple of bad threes. Then he got um, what probably should have been a foul call, quite honestly, but he got teed up from that uh, and then had a really bad turnover a few possessions later. This is not a good night for Cam overall. Uh, another one from him. He's kind of been struggling offensively so far this season on the whole. But he did kind of bounce back a little bit later on at times. But people were asking me during this run uh, and even later on why they've kind of let Cam do a little bit more offensively. I think they're trying to let him initiate more offensively. You can certainly say that's not the best thing for them to win right now, but they're trying to instill some confidence in Reddish. Um, Obviously, he made made a couple of cut-and-shoot jumpers in this spot, but not efficient. And I think, you know, in the fourth quarter, he was not very good either, which we'll come back to later on. But they're clearly trying to invest in Reddish developmentally right now because I don't think you can probably argue that he is a someone that you would want on the ball necessarily to try to win right now. I think there are other guys better than he is at that role right now today. But obviously, that's a long-term play, and his defense is still productive there on the floor. At any rate, a pretty short rotation that I want to make note of now. The Hawks ended up playing nine guys in this game overall, and the ninth was Goodwin, who played eight minutes, only when Trey sat. 
And then Solomon Hill played 11 minutes. So it was really, really short. There was no Bruno Fernando at all in this game. No Rondo as well. And then no Knight or Mays. But um, very short, I would think. I would say intentionally. By the way, the Knicks played eight guys. And that's Tom Thibodeau, by the way, as I referenced that earlier. But Tibbs is very well known in NBA circles for playing guys probably too much in the modern game. And in this spot, Julius Randle played, played 43 minutes. RJ Barrett played 44 minutes for the Knicks in this spot. So uh, Tibbs does not, um, I would say mold to the modern interpretation of how to play guys and how to rest guys. You could argue that on both sides, I suppose, but uh, he's not going to ever hold up, and uh, that was definitely the case here for New York. At any rate, um, the Hawks did not score very well in the first 18 minutes. They actually scored about one point per possession, which is not great. They did get a lot from John Collins and Trey Young, who had 23 of their first 38 points. But they got um, they actually got down by seven points in the second quarter after a big dunk, big dunk by uh, by R.J. Barrett, and the Knicks scored at four, on four possessions possessions in a row, which is certainly not what you want. But overall, they stiffened up. I think defensively, it was not too bad the entire game, like on the whole. Yes, the Knicks scored at a rate of 1.14 points per possession, which is not good, but I don't think it was necessarily like a, a defensive disaster that, that, that lost this game. I think it was the offense, actually, that kind of betrayed them at times. There were some moments defensively that beat them, which we'll come back to later on, but I think on the whole, it wasn't as bad as maybe the numbers look defensively, and I'm trying to be conscious of that. It wasn't good, but um, yeah, keep that in mind all the way through. Now, late in the first half, um, kind of made their big push. It was an 11-2 run to close the half for Atlanta, featuring a late three from John Collins and then two big buckets in a row from, from DeAndre Hunter and a click of fast break dunk, um, taking the lead. And the Hawks shot 55% from the floor in the second quarter. Uh, only nine free throw attempts in the first half, but Trey had seven of them at the break. Trey Young had 17 and seven, and Collins had 14 and six. By the way, Collins was plus 16 in the first half in a game that the Hawks were only up by four in. And for the game, Collins was plus 11. Now, if you look up up and down the roster, Trey Young and John Collins, Young was plus seven, Collins was plus 11, and the Hawks lost this game by five. So that isn't always telling. Uh, I'm someone who's not going to tell you that plus minus for single game is always perfect. But in this game, it was kind of indicative of what happened, especially in the case of Collins, in my view, who uh, obviously was the Hawks' um, you know, probably best player for part of this game. Trey had some moments as well, obviously, but those two guys were important, as they often are. Um, elsewhere in the first half, um, defensively, I thought it was better after the slow start, and the third quarter kind of let down a little bit late on, later on. This is a good observation, I thought, from Kevin Chenard of Hawks.com and ATL on 29, so I want, I'm going to steal it from him and also credit him. Um, Julius Randle had a big game. In this spot, obviously, I think part of that, and this is what Kevin said, is what I agree with him, is that the Hawks have this design defense to take away the rim, and they're doing that fairly well this year at times. But also, it's kind of designed to wall off the middle of the paint, whereas Randall operated on the baseline, and that might have thrown the Hawks for a loop. Not that they weren't prepared for it, but it's not necessarily a traditional thing. Randall's kind of a weird player. He is a good offensive player. Um, but definitely a bizarre one in the modern context. Not not a shooter. He was 0-5 on threes and 11-14 on twos. Got the line eight times as well. Just kind of a weird cover in a lot of ways, and I wonder if that kind of messed with the Hawks. But there you go on that one. At least mentioned it, and credit Kevin. That was a pretty good observation, I thought. But at any rate, the Hawks led at the half. They were in just fine position. And uh, after a quick break, to hear from our sponsors, we'll come back and talk about the second half and all the fallout from there. But first, a word from our sponsors at betonline.ag. 
The regular season is now over in the NFL, but the playoff picture is now in focus, and there'll be a ton of football action in the coming days. With that in mind, there is only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that place is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus with the site. On top of the NBA and all the fantastic matchups on a nightly basis across that league, there's a jam-packed slate of college basketball games happening every single day, and of course, the college football playoff finals are coming very soon with Alabama and Ohio State squaring off. And from there, the wild card round of the NFL playoffs is looming this weekend. Six games on the docket and all kinds of interest. If none of that gets you going, there's a full menu of offerings from BetOnline on any sport you can think of. BetOnline also has a huge menu of player props as well as live wagering, future bets, exotic wagers, and much, much more. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead, get on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. One more time, that is promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we'll dive in now to the third quarter, and the uh, third quarter was definitely interesting. At first, the Hawks played great, and then at the end, it's probably when the Hawks lost this game, quite frankly. Um, so we'll go through that now. Um, it was Trey Young finding Clint Capella to open the second half on a dunk. On the first possession, that was, a, that was a positive sign. A little bit of back and forth there, but then the Hawks went on a 10-2 run, take a 13-point lead at 73-60. That was a great extra pass that I noted from Trey Young to DeAndre Hunter for a three. And then Collins had a steal and a dunk from Capella off a pass by Young. And Young, I thought, was really good early, early in the second, uh, sorry, in the third quarter. Trey Young, at one point in the third quarter, had more free throw attempts, nine, than the rest of the players on both teams combined, who only had seven, which is kind of funny, which is something I wanted to point out. The Hawks went pretty small uh, mid midway through the period because the Knicks went very small. They went with Randall at center, so the Hawks countered quickly with Solomon Hill at center and then back to Collins at center. Um, but Atlanta led by as many as 15 points. So 15-point lead, same, same exact situation as it was on Saturday. And then with three minutes to go in the third quarter, the Hawks led by 13 points. Now, at that point, Atlanta, better team, playing at home, up 13 points. You are a huge favorite to win. But, and I may know this even live, this is when Trae Young went to the bench. And, by the way, he has to rest at some point. I know the frustration sets in. We did, we did this all year last year. I understand it. But while the criticism, I thought, was at least warranted on some level on Saturday about the Hawks going on the second unit too, too, too far, I thought it was overplayed, but certainly warranted on some level. Tonight, you can't really have that same thing. So Young sat for three minutes, essentially. But even with that, the Hawks stayed with some guys on the court that were their primary looks. Like John Collins played during that stretch. They did not go to the full second unit. Collins is their second best player. He was on the court during the stretch, at least for part of it. But Atlanta gave up the run um, that kind of closed the quarter and gave the Knicks some life. So it was a 13-4 run to close the quarter. By New York, cutting the lead from 13 down to four. There was a missed bunny by Collins, who actually missed three or four shots in the second half that he probably usually makes most of. Um, and then Kevin Knox, who is not very good, but Kevin Knox made a three at the buzzer. That was a big swing. That was a five-point swing probably to go from basically probably should have been up nine to only up by four at the end of the third quarter that I made note of. And again, it was a second unit from for the most part, but Trey Young cannot play the entire second half. That's not a, that's not a reasonable ask. So it's going to happen at some point. And I thought the criticism there of the rotation was just kind of silly. They have to take him out at some point, and I thought it was probably appropriate time to do it. It made what sense with what they usually do, etc. Still, the Hawks shot well in the third quarter overall, but it, it, it kind of didn't give them enough cushion, and they ended up tying the quarter despite the very very strong start, which opened up 
the situation to the fourth quarter where the Knicks just played better than the Hawks did. So carrying over from the end of the third, the Knicks, the Knicks, the Knicks started the second half, sorry, the start of the fourth quarter with a 10 to five push. So it was a 25 to nine overall run to take the Knicks from down 15, uh, actually down, sorry, down 13 to up three in about five minutes, six minutes, something like that. Then they went to a crush time lineup of Young, Herder, Reddish, Hunter, and Collins with about six, six and a half minutes to go. Um, at some point, I was wondering aloud why that was not Bogdanovich for Reddish because Reddish was really struggling offensively and not giving him really much of anything. But we learned later on, as I said before, that Bogdanovich was not available to Lloyd Pierce. He had no other information other than the fact that he was not available. It was an ankle injury. We'll see what the fallout is, is from that. But the Hawks are basically down to, I would say, six guys that they trust. It was those five and Capella. And given the situation... And the matchup, I don't think it would have been ideal to go with both Collins and Capella. So you're basically choosing one of those guys. I saw some complaints about not going to Capella for Reddish. They could have done that for sure. It would not have been a bad situation. But I think, you know, most of the time the Hawks are going to close with only one of those guys on the court. And we've been saying that through, since the summer, quite frankly. But occasionally you might see them both play. But I had no problem going with Reddish. It would have been better if it was Bogdanovich, honestly, if he was available. But he wasn't, so I kind of get it. That's the one thing that you could do rotationally, though, was maybe maybe go back to Capella there. But, you know, one uh, one little tweak, and I'm not really sure that I would have done that either. So, at any rate, it was tied with about six, six minutes to go. Then you had back-to-back turnovers by Young and Reddish. And a Mitch Robinson dunk to give the Knicks the lead with about four and a half minutes to go. Trade then answered with a runner off the glass to tie it at 101-101 with about four minutes to go. Uh, Pierce then challenged a loose ball foul on John Collins with a little bit less than four minutes to go. He lost that challenge, and that was his final timeout. Now, I understand why the challenge happened. It was frustrating because I'm not sure it was a foul on Collins, but it's also a challenge that you're not likely to win. And I kind of saw, as soon as I saw the first replay, I was like, well, he's going to lose this challenge. And he did. And I understand that's frustrating because it was probably the wrong call in my view. I think John was probably there in time, but it's just not one that you're going to, have a high likelihood of winning and that being their final timeout was kind of burned them as well so that was a big swing Hawks just got a couple of unlucky breaks too along the way they still imploded but a couple of uh bad timing things some some shots rattled out etc but that was that was a questionable decision by Pierce I know why he did it but it was you know again probably a losing proposition overall to challenge that even if he probably you know it was probably the wrong call but not enough to overturn it from there the Knicks make free throws to take the lead then Troy Young misses a three they got the offensive rebound, actually, but then Reddish shoots an air ball. They got a stop, but then Herter misses a three. And then Trey Young fouls Emmanuel quickly on a three-pointer with 2.34 to go. Uh, quickly kind of just got got him uh, got him off balance, leaned into him. It looked, looked kind of like Trey drawing a foul, honestly. Frustrating call, but still one that probably gets called more, than, more often than not. Quickly makes all three free throws, and suddenly the Hawks are down by five at 106 to 101. Then... Young gets a layup that was badly needed to get back to three. Then they force a turnover on Julius Randle. Uh, that was big, too. So suddenly they have the ball back down three, but Young gets blocked, and then Collins misses one at the rim. He wanted a call on the foul, but did not get it. It was a nice block by Mitchell Robinson, by the way, on, on Trey. That was kind of a momentous occasion for the Knicks. Um, but all that said, it was only still three. They had to foul Julius Randle. He makes one of two. Then the big swing, I thought, other than the one that was on Collins and that miss around the rim, was that Hunter actually made a three. The one time the Hawks actually made a big shot in this run was when Hunter made a three, cutting it from four down to one with about a minute and a half to go. But we, within 10 seconds, Austin Rivers hits a three right back, 
and suddenly the Hawks are down by four again with 125 to go. Um, Trey turns it over on an offensive foul from there, and now you're in a big hole without the ball down four, and uh, that was a big spot. Um, they actually got a stop on Randall missing a shot, but then there was a loose ball. It was called off of New York in real time out of bounds to Atlanta, but then after a review, it was clear that it was off the Hawks. So the, the, the Knicks get it back up by four with 101 to go. They get a stop again, but then a tip-in by the Knicks to go up by six, and that was kind of the end of that. Now, there was one more flourish. Reddish actually missed a pretty easy left-handed dunk, but he, he got he got a turnover and then dunk, dunked it after that to get back to four. Um, and then the Knicks actually made a boneheaded play up by four. They threw a pass off the backboard with 17 seconds to go. Now, the Hawks are still down by four, so it's tough to pull that off. But then down four, Cam misses a three, rattles out, and that's kind of it after they had to foul Bullock, go down by five, etc. So a couple things I want to note here about this run. The Hawks did not execute at all. So in the last 7.07 of this game, the Hawks scored nine points. There was a stretch before the Trey Young battle-needed layup with about you know three minutes to go or so. The Hawks scored two points in four minutes and 40 seconds. Now, for a team that is predicated on its offense, that is disastrous, and it's kind of similar to what happened on Saturday. They just could not score anymore, and that is how you lose games. So in the fourth quarter, they were 7 of 21 from the floor and 1 of 7 from 3. Um, and the Knicks, again, played credible defense. I think the Knicks are not going to be good defensively this year. They are better. They're right now, I know they look, they look good in the numbers because of their opponent shooting percentages are really, really low. I think the Knicks are better than they have been. So they've, they've been in the bottom five or six most of the time the last several years. They're better than that, but they're not elite by any means, and they're not a team that should be shutting you down in the fourth quarter. So the Hawks just could not generate offense. Um, Trey was pretty bad down the stretch. Uh, Cam was pretty bad. John Collins missed a, missed a few shots that he would like back, I'm sure. Uh, Novak Donovich, who was not good in this game necessarily anyway. Hunter made a few plays, but you know it was not exactly a, a smorgasbord of offense down the stretch. So again, nine points in the final 707 and a stretch of two points in 440, and that's how you get beat. Um, elsewhere from there, I want to point out one thing that um, I actually I'm, I'm not, this is not an original thought by me. People people have said this before. I know Glenn Willis did uh, guest of this podcast, etc. But I do wonder if the effort being asked of the Hawks defensively is maybe wearing them out a little bit. Also in the early in the early part of the season. That is not an excuse because they should be in condition to do, to do that right now. But this is now a second game in a row. And while Saturday it made some sense on a back-to-back, they look like they kind of ran out of gas again a little bit here. And I'm not sure that, you know, I'm not, that's not an excuse. It's just kind of a bad, that's bad. It's not a good situation. But they just didn't have a juice offensively. And again, if Trey Young is awesome in the fourth quarter, they probably win. And it's not, it's not, not that simple because he carried them offensively along with Collins for most of this game. But in the fourth, he takes eight shots. Three turnovers. Uh, it was three or four, three, three back from the floor, but it wasn't like he was terrible, but he didn't really have it down the stretch. Um, Collins didn't score in the fourth quarter. Capella didn't didn't take a shot, played seven minutes, did not, did not score at all. Um, Reddish was one of four with a turnover as well and two fouls. So, you know, it's just what it is. They scored 20 points on bad shooting. They only uh, only have three assists in the fourth quarter, and uh, you know, that's how you lose. That's just kind of the way it is. So, Overall takeaways in terms of um, what what transpired here are are mixed, and we'll come back to them in a second. But you know you have to just focus on the fourth quarter. You lose you lose the fourth quarter by nine points, and again the last sixteen minutes or so, you basically lose by about seventeen points, eighteen points, something like that. So uh, pretty bad. Okay, so we'll come back. 
with more takeaways and some individual breakdowns in a second. But uh, first, a word from the good folks at rockauto.com. Chain stores often have different price tiers for pro mechanics to do it yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are the same for everyone and they're always low. Instead of the market changing prices, rockauto.com simply presents the lowest prices possible at all times. No matter what kind of car or truck you might have, rockauto.com has everything you need, just a few easy clicks, and they'll have it delivered directly to your door. And the rockauto.com catalog is also easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login of any kind. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend more for the same exact parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or your truck, and from there, write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com all right, so we'll wrap it up here at the end of the podcast with some takeaways, as we often do. Um, so offensively, in this game, the Hawks did enough to be competitive on the whole. They scored 1.1 points per possession, basically. About a 110 offensive rating, that's usually going to be enough. Only 13 turnovers, that's a very solid number for Atlanta. 50 points in the paint, they had solid true shooting. They only shot 10 of 31 from three, but that, that isn't terrible by any means. They got to the line more, sorry, as much as the Knicks did, 25-23. 24 assists, um, shot 46% from the floor. You know, nothing egregious offensively pops out to you. Um, it's just the fourth quarter was a letdown offensively. Defensively, like I said before, defensive, the numbers are not good. Um, they're not as bad as you might think if you had watched part of this game. Um, but it's just, uh, you know, they got they got beat by a team that executed better than they did down the stretch. So there, there's that. Now, the Knicks came in in the bottom five of three-point attempt rate. They only took 21 threes, and that's what the Hawks are geared up to do. Like it's actually a good matchup for Atlanta and that the Hawks are trying to take away the paint. They were unable unable to do that in this game with the Knicks outscoring them in the paint. And the Knicks should shoot 721 from three. You should win that game at home if you can hold the hold the opposition to that low frequency and that low percentage. But they got beat everywhere else. Um the Knicks were 36 of 54. So 66%. No, it's 64. Sorry. 36 of 64, but still they're, uh, you know, 12, you know, they were really good on twos, which is kind of tough. I mean, you have Julius Randle. Yes, he's good on twos, but the bench also for the Knicks was electric. The three guys off the bench made all of their shots, basically. Rivers quickly and Knox um, made all of their threes. They were six of nine combined. So I don't know. There's just a little, little things up and down the roster here. And I think uh, it's worth pointing out now that, the thing that Lloyd Pierce cited as an issue when he was asked about what happened at the end of the third quarter, into the fourth quarter, what kind of what they what went into the collapse. First of all, he was visibly annoyed, which I understand. Um, you know, not a lot of specifics, but the one thing he did point out was a couple times was there there were a couple of possessions where they helped off the short corner and allowed open threes. I know one of those was Solomon Hill, who's a veteran. It should not make the mistake, but he did. Um, and that was part of that meltdown at the end of the third quarter that kind of spiraled into the fourth. Um, obviously, you don't want to attribute too much to that, but the end of the third quarter, I think, is where they lost this game. Now They should have been in a comfortable position, and yes, they should have been better in the fourth with the starters back on the court, but the time where I think they lost this game was in that run without Trey on the court in the last three minutes of the third quarter. And there were other times that they could have won it, but if you want to point to one stretch, that would be the one that I would choose. And that includes what Lloyd was referring to there with some bad overhelping, some mental mistakes. The Hawks just didn't execute there. And then and the fourth quarter was offense. I think defensive that was defensive lapses in the third at the end of the third quarter. 
And the fourth, it was the offense. So if you want to point to both sides of the floor, choose your own adventure there if you'd like to. But that's kind of what I think on all of that. Um, you know, individually, again, the Hawks played nine guys here. The bench was a non-factor for the most part. I thought Herder was okay. Um, didn't shoot well, though. It was 1-6 from 3. Had nine points, three assists. Made a couple plays, but was not was not fantastic. Bogdanovich, like I said before, got injured. That's not ideal, but only played 19 minutes. Was not a huge factor at all. Only took three shots. Was minus 13. I think defensively made a couple of pretty egregious errors in the third quarter that I saw. And then, um, you know, wasn't his best performance overall. Um, Solomon Hill, 11 minutes, was not very good in this game by his standards. Goodwin, I thought, was not at fault for some of this stuff, but he's not Trey Young. And, you know, offensively, if Bogdanovich and Herder don't have it going, you're playing him, you're playing Goodwin out there. He only, t- only took one shot, had one assist. I don't blame him, but he was not a positive factor, I don't think, at the end of the third quarter. So that was your bench. You got a combined, you know, five of 17 shooting from your bench and two of nine from three. That isn't going to work most of the time. Um, to the starters in this spot, um, I thought Reddish was, again, pretty bad. And to the point where, you know, I know Hawks fans really like Cam Reddish, and so do I. I think he's really good. But Hawks fans probably even 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 higher on the whole. Even Hawks fans were kind of calling for less Reddish in the fourth, which I think is, for me, an indication of how bad it actually was because Hawks fans, I think, generally have a pretty high opinion of Cam and want him to be more involved. So to hear a lot of people calling for less Cam was just a, kind of a reminder that he was pretty bad offensively in this game. And I think... This season, on the whole, Cam has been a below-average offensive player, um, to be kind. I think he's probably, probably been worse than that, honestly, on, on the offensive end of the floor. Um, defensively, still made some nice flash plays, but um, not his best, for sure. Um, Clay Capella was not good, I don't think. His numbers looked okay. He had 12-12. and 12. I don't think he was as good in this game as he was on either Friday or Saturday night. Um, he was probably better still than he was early on in the season. And the rebounds are definitely a positive, but he got he took some bad angles defensively. I thought he really let Randall get through him a couple times. Robinson outplayed him as well. I don't think Capella was bad. He's still better than what the Hawks have had in the past at center and on this night, but it was not his best necessarily either. Um, Hunter played well, I thought, 23 to lead the team, other than Trey, of course. Uh, 23 and 8 for Hunter. He was efficient, 9 of 15 from the floor, 3 of 6 from 3. I thought he played well defensively, probably not his best either. Um, RJ Barrett got, got loose on, a, on him a couple times. He got matched up with Randall a few times when they were when they were trying to go small and couldn't really stop him either. So not his best defensive game, but offensively he was efficient and productive. John Collins, I thought was really good for three quarters and then not so good down the stretch. But even then, it was basically just missing makeable shots. I think defensively he still played pretty well. He was their, he was their best interior defender in this game, at least athletically. And again, they were plus 11 when he played. So you can't really... I mean, it's not always... Just him, but I think on the whole, the Hawks played well when he was on the court, and he was a big reason why they did that. He had 18 and 8 with two steals. He was pretty active, and I thought played reasonably well. And then Trey Young, big numbers for sure 31 and 14 assists. That's a season high for Trey on assists. But um, eight turnovers. He had eight of the team's 13 turnovers, some bad ones in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. And then again, in the fourth quarter, was not terribly efficient. So in this game overall, he was 9-22 from the floor, 1-6 from, from, from 3, so that's not great. Um, got to the line 15 times. That's a positive. That allows you to maintain relative efficiency. But in the fourth, like I said, 3 of 8 from the floor and uh, 3 turnovers down the stretch. Again, I'm not saying he was bad. I'm saying that he probably needs to be better than that on the whole, especially given that he had the same kind of struggles on Saturday. 
So I'm not putting it on Trey by any means, but unfortunately they were in a position where they kind of needed to be bailed out down the stretch and he couldn't, and he couldn't bail them out. So, uh, you know, it's one of those games that's just maddening. And I'll end with this, you know, the, the vitriol is kind of outlandish at the moment that I have, that I'm seeing. I know people are really, really, really angry at Lloyd Pierce and I'm not entirely sure why. Yes, there is some, um, responsibility to be taken by the head coach anytime you blow a lead. And I get that. Um, at the same time, the Hawks shot 721 from the, from the floor in the fourth quarter and 107 from three, and that's not a Lloyd Pierce problem. If you watch the fourth quarter back, there's a bunch of shots the Hawks should make, and they didn't make them, and that's not a Lloyd Pierce problem. Was he perfect in this game? No. Uh, is he a great coach? We don't know that by any means. Um, but it's just interesting to me that that was the only reaction, and particularly the rotation stuff. By the end of this game, the Hawks had six players that were healthy that they could trust. You couldn't really go back to Hill after the way he played. Good one, you're not going to go to, obviously, down the stretch there. And without McDonavich, you had six players, and all of those six players played 31 minutes or more. So there was no natural point of contention about not playing guys enough or whatever you want to say. The six guys the Hawks trusted in this game that were not injured played a lot of minutes. And, you know, always some blame to go around, for sure. But uh, I continue to be kind of baffled by what people want out of Lloyd Pierce at times. So I'll leave it there. I could do another half hour on that probably at this point in time. But we're late into the evening here on a Monday. You know, a lot to get to from this game. Hopefully that breaks it all down. If you have feedback, I am more than willing to hear it. I know I would definitely be accused of being soft on Lloyd Pierce, but I don't really know what the reaction is supposed to be. It's a bad loss. Again, to bring things full circle from the top of the podcast, it's a bad loss. I'm sure they're all frustrated and they all sounded frustrated in the post game. Um, you know, there's some elements of people don't want to hear that. And I totally get that too. Um, they'll fix it if they can. I think that if anything, people were a little bit too excited in the first three, four games as the Hawks played well. And now people are really way too mad. So bringing things back to the middle as often the, the Hawks are four and three. Should they be better than that through, through, the, through these four, through these seven games? Probably, I would say their their record should be five and two right now. Like for adjusting for the schedule, adjusting for how they've played, five and two would have been a more appropriate number, and that's basically the difference in this game in particular. This is the first time this season the Hawks have lost a game that was kind of inexcusable. Saturday they played terribly down the stretch and imploded and lost, but that was a schedule set up in a way that was kind of brutal. This one, that excuse is not there, and this is a bad loss. Full stop. Bad loss. Get as mad as you want to. I, I totally get it. But I think if you take a step back, and that's kind of my um, role at times to not be emotional about it at times, not be the fan element and try to take a step back. The Hawks didn't play well tonight on the whole. They got beaten by a team that they're not as good as, and that's something John Collins said on the record. He said, look, we just lost basically to two teams that we think that were a lot better than in Cleveland and New York. I agree with him. The Hawks are better than those teams, so you can't lose that game. But yeah, it's one game at a time. We'll see on Wednesday uh, how they play. But uh, yeah, there's definitely an appropriate level of frustration. I would say post game, it was very clear that no one was very, no one was happy, and uh, we'll see how they respond to that. Um, this is not a great data point for Atlanta, but 48 hours later, they will be playing against a, a team that's also uh, one they can win on Wednesday. Just as a um, reminder of our podcast schedule. I am not planning to do a podcast between now and Wednesday. I'm not sure if that's going to hold or not. If there's news or something like that, I will pop in. But uh, I will definitely have two or three more shows this week, probably three more shows, most likely. Um, But the the next one will be after the game on Wednesday evening. 
please subscribe to the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter if you'd like to yell at me at BT Roland. I have plenty of people yelling at me tonight, which is totally fine. Um, also, at Lockdown Hawks for the podcast, Sub- support the podcast feed, share it with your friends. Um, tell your friends about the show just in general. Subscribe on various platforms if you would like to rate and review as well. And again, we'll be back again on Wednesday after the game between the Hawks and the Hornets. So we'll see you then.